OnlyFans. It's wild. OnlyFans said it was comeback. Pornographic content. The misogynist came out the woodwork. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it was a level of like dry snitching involved in that. You know what I'm saying? Like, why would you even care that OnlyFans content um, is changing? And, you know what I'm saying? Or why would you care about like the the financials of the only ten concrete uh OnlyFans content creator, like, you know what I'm saying? And unless you like subscribe, you know what I'm saying? And it's a lot of cap if people are like, ah oh, nah, I don't really care. Like, it's a hundred and thirty million subscribers to OnlyFans. Like there's a chance you know somebody who subscribed to OnlyFans. You know what I'm saying? Like you know, you seen the dude, you know what I'm saying, all female, you know, judgment free, you know what I'm saying? Shout out Tiger. You know what I'm saying? There's a chance. Hello? Oh, you can put that in the market oil. Yeah. yeah. But Tiger, who we? You know what I'm saying? Just saying. If they, if you put up that post like, oh, OnlyFans changing from, from pornographic content, here's a, you know what I'm saying? Or if you put up more than one OnlyFans post, I know, I know you got that subscription, I know. Welcome to another episode. It's your boy MBZ knocking this one out of here. Me and my yak in this mug. Delicious. Oh my god. Let's, let's start off with uh, recent events. Uh, we lost the chance of having Shikari in the Olympics. Uh, it was it was devastating. Um, we support uh, you know mostly because there's nobody really against marijuana use. You know there there are people who was doing you know the rules are the rules and that's a whole nother issue. But uh, Saturday we anticipated uh, another chance to give breath to a, a, a great racing story. Um, the women in Jamaica, we seen what they did in the Olympics. They came in one, two, and three, you know. Um, and Saturday, I set an alarm on my TV, and I was like, "I'm about to, I'm about to watch Shikari. This gonna be the next chapter in in the Shikari era. I'm, I'm ready. You know, they get into the blocks." They ready to go. The gun, the starting gun fires. They come out the blocks. And then all I see 
is this blonde wig behind the other people, flapping in the wind. And all I could think to myself was, son, go put on your shoes. I took my kid to the park. Let me be clear, I didn't need Shikari to, to win the race on Saturday. I um, I think it's great for the story if Shikari comes in second, she comes in fourth. You know, it starts to establish uh, women's racing in a different way. It gives us the storyline to follow. It makes it more intriguing for me the next time to even uh, talk about what's going on in Diamond League, something that, you know, they, they have races like every month, every six weeks or something like that. It gives us a chance to, to follow her journey to get to the next Olympics. And when she lost like that, the first thing that came across my mind, I was like, well, damn, is she, is she going to hurt herself with future endorsements. And then after being talked off of that cliff, I was like, nah, she she not gonna lose none of her major endorsements. She'll probably still pick up um, major en endorsements on the way to the next Olympics anyway, because she she represents a space in uh, women's track and field that's a huge void that there's nobody to, to take that place of. She has a great character. She's great on the mic if you saw that interview after the race, you know. So I don't think um, that that cliff I was about to jump off of, like, oh man, is she gonna, is she gonna mess up the bag? Nah, Teshikari bag. Still good. But just to be clear, like Olympic athletes, they, they, they survive off of these endorsement deals. And while I know, you know, she, she getting endorsement deals, um, some of these smaller level, you know, uh, online deals, that's, that's great. You know what I'm saying? That's going to, that's going to keep her going. But I'm thinking about her chances at, at major deals, the Mazacar, Visa, Amex, American Airlines, the uh, major brands that's, that can drop the bag on, on and keep her, you know, training the way she can. Like, yeah, it's great that she got the Nike commercial with the Kanye song that for beats and you that that's wonderful. I don't think stuff like that she is ever gonna lose out on. Cause who's who is our other women? You know what I'm saying? A Ting Mu, a Ting Mo. Like she not she ain't hitting the microphone like how Shakari hitting the microphone. She not the the person of interest that. Shikari is actually a person to answer so, so I, I, I really am out here definitely uh, hoping for the best for Shikari in the future, but uh, what I had to watch uh, yesterday on Saturday, that was, that was tough. That was probably the hardest thing to watch since Deontay Wilder said he was doing that for us for Black History Month. 
무슨 생각을 할지 알마 Black Bruin is back, you know what I'm saying? Representing for the crib one time, you know what I'm saying? 305 to the end, you know what I'm saying? I'm from the crib, uh, Bamboo, Richmond Heights is, is what I claimed. Uh, I watched the original documentary, Cocaine Cowboys, that Billy Corbin did, you know what I'm saying? And most people uh, probably seen, uh, especially if you're from the crib, you definitely seen that. And, you know what I'm saying? I was hot, we felt like that was our movie. Even though I definitely am not old enough to have been running the streets at that time, but that movie uh, showed Miami in a way that Miami loves to be shown. We we love being notorious. We love to the, the talk our shit. You know what I'm saying? Pop our shit. That, that's it. When we talking about the debauchery and the police being dirty and uh, drugs, money, and murder, that is that's Miami. We gon' We gonna stand proud, and we gonna tell you, yeah, that's how my city get down, and we have no shame in, in letting people know that. Um, I watched the sequels, you know what I'm saying? Um, when they were talking about like La Madrina's black boyfriend, you know what I'm saying? I ain't saying nothing bad about Griselda Blanco, and I want that to be clear. Uh, if La Madrina needs anything. Uh, there's no way I can stop her from contacting me, and I, I would feel obliged to to ground which uh, her wishes, you know what I'm saying. But I definitely, uh, in my time in Miami, definitely ran through uh, La Habana and Hialeah, and uh, you definitely will get a story from somebody's uncle uh, about the the days of Cocaine Cowboys, especially back when those movies first came out. Everybody wanted to tell a piece about it, so it was. Uh, it was very beautiful, but the new documentary on Netflix more so stems from the Los Muchachos days of Willie and Sal from the late 70s to the uh, early 90s when the boys got caught up and how they still ran the game uh, after the fact here. And the, uh, once they was locked up, how they were still, you know, moving in the streets, even though they had people out in the streets doing their dirt form. So, uh, much respect for anybody who locked up and still running biz, you know what I'm saying? That's That was tough. Huh? And if you get the chance to watch the documentary, you'll definitely uh, see that they was living this cap rap shit that these niggas talk about. And there's, there's nobody, let's be clear, there's nobody selling crack. Like, not saying that crack is over, but like, you either selling crack or you been selling crack. These new dudes, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Glorifying selling pills, dog. Ain't nothing wrong with that. That's that's what it is now, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but this is this is what really started it off, and I think that's the only that's the only qualms I had about what was going on in this documentary. It was very focused on um, Willie and Sal, and I don't know if it really got into how crack came into Miami and how crack kind of. Uh, affected the black community in Miami. It kind of was more so a glorification of how William and Sal were treated as more so heroes in Miami, and that's that's fine. Like Miami ain't gonna do that. We always gonna hold our real ones up. We ain't gonna 
we ain't gonna never sit here and try to vilify our real ones. We always gonna keep it uh, a buck, but leaving space to not talk about some of the people who contributed in other ways in Miami and, and other aspects. I kind of felt like left the documentary flat and um, it's, it's better to tell that story uh, on a more broad aspect because to only leave it to talk about uh, Willie and Sal as, as business, that kind of seems to lead the story in a way that ain't actually all the way Miami and it's kind of just, you know, it's a good way to tell the story to the, the ignorant. And if you got six documentaries, it kind of seemed wasted to have, you know, to tell us, you know, Willie and Sal still locked up or uh, uh, not Willie and Sal still locked up, but, lock, but Sal still locked up forever and Willie out when you could have took that time to kind of dig into the city a little bit better. So uh, just, just to be clear, like Miami is the type of place where you can get into the game early. I want to say I was probably 12 or 13 with my first cocaine experience in what is now known as Cutler Bay. So we in Cutler Ridge back in the day, you know what I'm saying? I pull up on my boy uh, and we about to go have a session, you know what I'm saying? In normal times, our sessions are gonna be a more marijuana experience, which they also get into a documentary, how the marijuana was really the drug of choice in Miami and then the cocaine came in. So our usual session, is, you know what I'm saying, a three-man group, um, no names, we don't need them. But this time, we was about to go kick it with my boy, you know what I'm saying, uh, ancillary character, um, his brother, and a mutual homeboy. So we fire deep in the backyard, we flipping. This is, this is the time when we called it dirty. So, you know, we gonna flip, you know, two regulars, you know what I'm saying? And then they got a dirty one. And kind of like how they say on Good Kid Mad City, like, yo, they got the shenanigans in it. He about to hit it with the shenanigans. My boy tried to slow it down, like, when it was coming my way. And I was sitting there like, you know what I'm saying? Nah, it's, it's good, you know what I'm saying? Because if everybody else on that vibe, I ain't want to be caught off that vibe. Like, if everybody else going to be, you know what I'm saying, in a mindset, you know what I'm saying? We already... Um, we already in this experience together, you know what I'm saying, all y'all boys with it, you know what I'm saying, these, these people I, I be around anyway, you know what I'm saying, I'm finna get it down, I'm finna, I'm finna live like how my boys living. So, I hit the dirty joint. Let's say the experience of a dirty joint is a bit different than your normal marijuana experience. I'm feeling a numbness come across my lips. It passes through my face. It's coming down my bite. It's running through my chest. I'm feeling this all over my body. It's different. It's completely different than the experience we normally have. 
I'm thinking to myself, like, alright, I'm good. We we outside of this time. We young men. We done we done seen the world in a different way, cause that's just how Miami treats you. You know, the session finish up, you know how we get, you know what I'm saying, this color is, so we finna hit the Denny's right there on US one. Uh, we young, you know what I'm saying, we on foot at this time, you know what I'm saying, the cocaine that I hit me. You know what I'm saying? I don't even exactly remember what my boy said to me, but he said something and probably really actually benign at the time. And I flipped out on him because that's how that that's how that powder did you. You know what I'm saying? It make you, it make you a different type of person. It, it change you. It take you, even if you on 10, it's gonna take you to 17. Like, you know what I'm saying? I ain't really, I ain't really on 10. I'm usually on like four, but it took me to like 17. It took me to like 25. Now I'm up, I'm in Denny's, I'm a whole different person. I'm, I'm looking at everybody sideways, just playing with my mind. I'm too young, you know what I'm saying? You know how that, you did, you know how I get you. It, 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 it don't chase you. Like, we rub you on the back, cocaine push you in the back. You know what I'm saying? In a way, I kind of felt like, for them in the documentary, not to talk about how uh, cocaine changed Miami economically and kind of made the city and for them to not talk about how cocaine kind of destroyed the city uh, it was a little bit irresponsible but that ain't that ain't for me a lot of respect to Billy Corbin I definitely appreciate him for for doing what he did that was that was a nice look y'all check that out six episodes you know what I'm saying he, he really cared about us so at least give him a chance Uh, also, if you get a chance, uh, I told is a series of documentaries. One of the documentaries that they went about doing was Malice in the Palace. Uh, Malice in the Palace is is a notorious event in NBA history. Let's be clear. I woke up in the morning out of my bed. I turn on the foil of the network. I'm watching their uh, flagship show. I'm enjoying it as usual, but it has to open with this event. I see uh, Ron Artest running to the stands. He get Buddy the two-piece Next thing you know, you got Jack up there handing out blows and I remember it like it was like it was nothing. I'm sitting there with a smile on my face, thinking like, yo, they gave it to them guys because they had to give it to them guys. And that's perfectly fine. Actually, uh, that was my initial reaction and um, hearing other people speak on it, uh, talk about uh, media figures, hearing them speak about it, uh, they play revisionist history, so a lot of media members at that time were definitely using coded language such as thug uh, to express how they felt about what had occurred during the Malice in the Palace brawl. Uh, with more understanding now, 
people would probably give them the benefit of the doubt of being so ignorant at that time and trying to make hairstyles and uh, the type of music you listen to into uh, a cultural aspect. Like, but that's a, that's a whole other level of things that people of color got to deal with. Uh, but then and now, uh, post-documentary, I still feel the same way because you get so much information during the untold documentary. And if you even had a chance to see Jermaine O'Neal on anything that he's been on or any uh, podcast that he's done, it's, it's quite easy to see. Um, he expresses how he felt about that time and the repercussions that he had to face and how the truth actually never got out. So if you get a chance to watch the documentary or if you've already seen it, you understand. Um, those guys were were all actually acquitted of what they did because there was nothing wrong with what they did. Let's let's be let's be real clear about this. Um, I ain't never had nobody throw no drink in my face, right? But I don't fault people for less than that. So I can only imagine, you know what I'm saying? If somebody was feeling that that day and they sat there and they flipped the drink in my face. For me to, after that, just wipe the drink off my face and go on about my day, that, that there's a 100% chance that's not how that's going to go. So, you know what I'm saying, all the Twitter warriors and keyboard thugs, you know what I'm saying, all that, that that's cool, you know what I'm saying, all the people that that's going to always do the right thing, you know what I'm saying, on the internet, that's that's real cool to say that. But let's, let's be clear, uh, a hard foul occurs, then world peace, you know what I'm saying, goes and tries to perform his uh, mental health um, acts that his therapist was telling him to. So he do a five count while he's doing this five count. Like, let's be clear, like, ain't nobody out here thinking Ron Artest is one to run up on. Like, if, if you do, you know what I'm saying, I put the... the the email address right there. Um, go ahead, email me. If you think Ron tell somebody you can run up on, go ahead, send me an email. I connect it, you know what I'm saying? We'll do it for for charity, but I'm expecting zero emails. You know what I'm saying? But if you think you can run hands with, with Ron Tess, just, you know, don't forget, he like 6'6", 240. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying you can't run with Ron Tess if you 6'6", 240, but on God, I'm shooting a nigga 6'6", 240. So if you feel like you know what I'm saying? You emboldened enough, or you been sitting at your seat drinking long enough to flip your cup like Buddy did on Ron Artest and 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 go for that. You good? And let's be clear: the dude threw his drink on Ron Artest. He didn't even get the sticks. It was a whole nother dude who ended up getting the sticks. And then Jack run up after after Ron Artest, and he give another dude the business. So. Let's let's be clear. Like, I'm not, I'm not in no type of way ever thinking that you know what I'm saying. A professional athlete is somebody I'm gonna throw hands with. Let's be clear. Only thing I lift every day is my phone. You know what I'm saying. And the 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 only physical activity I do is climbing my stairs to go to bed. So. I ain't, I'm not in no shape to run with a dude that this way he do. You know what I'm saying? I can up that thing. 
I can hit you with that thing. And this ain't even no size thing. I don't I don't care if you smaller than me. You know what I'm saying? You you get crazy out here, you know what I'm saying? And it and it get to a situation, I live in the south. I can poke you. In any southern state. You know what I'm saying? I can poke you and be like, yo, my life was threatened. I'm going home, I'm gonna go to sleep in my own bed. We good out here. Especially if we both black, I can poke you. Don't be out here wilding. You know what I'm saying? If you grew up in the south, you already know that. Two black people can kill each other. I'm going home, going to sleep. I ain't gonna do a day. I'm not gonna do 45 minutes. You know what I'm saying? Privilege, privilege, you know what I'm saying? I, I speak on it, I can pay for a lawyer. You know what I'm saying? I ain't, that's on you, dude. I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna lie to you, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I, ain't, I ain't gonna be foul, I ain't gonna go to your funeral or nothing like that, but I already know your people's looking for me. Hey, you know what I'm saying? I pulled buddy, you know what I'm saying? I ain't, that wasn't my last bullet, you know what I'm saying? Oh God, so let's just, you know what I'm saying? Let's, I, I'm going to definitely, you know, hey, keep the same energy, you know what I'm saying? Your boy made a wild decision. Don't you be out here making no wild decision. You know what I'm saying? That's just how it go. But if I have uh, two issues with the documentary, what they really didn't uh, try to go in depth was, in depth with was that uh, Jack's brother passed away when he was 16. Jack's brother went to visit his girlfriend um, when he went to go visit his girlfriend, her ex-boyfriend was out there, but you know what I'm saying? I ain't gonna say she was lying say I was an ex-boyfriend. I don't know last time she gave up yeast to birth, right? So, but let's just be clear, bro went over old girl house, you know what I'm saying? He, he living it up, you know what I'm saying? For them moments then, when he, you know what I'm saying, making his exit, you know what I'm saying? Bro out there, he gave the sticks to bro. He giving bro the business. But his boys jump in, they beat him over the head with a pipe, you know what I'm saying? So Jack Brother, you know what I'm saying, he lasted one day in the ICU and then he, you know what I'm saying, he went to the other side. So when Jack see Ron go up there and he feel like Ron, his brother, he gonna, he gonna follow Ron up there. So okay, so it's, so it's not all good. And let's be clear, this, this person who threw the beer on Ron, you dead wrong. And, and um, in Detroit, where they playing, if you throw the drink in somebody's face, that's assault. So, bro, called his own charge for throwing that drink. Um, Ron, you know what I'm saying, while he was wrong, he was shown to be right because he had to defend himself in that situation. Jack was, was found out to be right because he had to defend himself in that situation. Uh, Jermaine O'Neal just found out that he right because he had to defend himself in that situation. So, you know what I'm saying, we, we sitting around here 17 years later, Still jawjacking about is these boys thugs, criminals, you know what I'm saying, fake tough guys, real tough guys for running up and throwing hands with these people. You see in the documentary, it was two police officers for that whole building. You know what I'm saying? Not saying that the whole court need to be surrounded by police if something pop off, because you know what I'm saying, they play 82 games a year, you know what I'm saying, and 82 games, you know, you're going to play 42 games at, at, at a single building and it don't be no fights. But in this situation, it was. Now, um, I ain't no wait for the police type person and I don't, I don't condone that. I wouldn't raise my children to be. I wouldn't tell nobody on the streets to do that. Um, you can tell the story to the police when they get there and that's all they can really go with. That's all I, I'll ever say about anything, but that's what the police will tell you themselves. But all I'm saying is, you know what I'm saying, you make a poor decision and, you know what I'm saying, you you got to understand that your, your body naturally going to go into fight or flight. 
So I, I I don't know what type of person you are, you know what I'm saying. But I I will always respect you for what you are. But that's that just is what it is. Uh, if if I can reference anything, don't let the media determine uh, if people of color are villains. So if in 1979 the Boston Bruins uh, players get into an altercation at Madison Square Garden. They go up into the stands and fight people. And if you, you know, what I'm saying, watch the video and read information from that time, they blame the referees for what occurred. Then, if you turn around in that same instance and you see that uh, when the Boston Bruins ran up to ran up into the stands, it wasn't even. Uh, uh, a tenth, a one hundredth of the situation that occurred. It was just people jawjacking to them about, you know what I'm saying, what occurred during the game about a shot that didn't even go in. Then it's kind of hard for me to to feel united. Like, why do I have to defend myself if other people get grace? So. If there is anything we could do for each other, is definitely do not give a moment, don't give no chance, don't give a thought, don't lift a finger for anybody other than your own, and hold your hold your own down in public. And if you need to correct your man, you can make you correct your man face to face. Ain't no cameras, ain't no phones, ain't no recorders. If you need credit for doing the right thing, then you doing the wrong thing. And that's home, God.